0: Good morning High Point Church Online. I'm Miriam. And I'm Jenny. And we're so glad to have you here this morning. And if this is your first time with us, a special welcome to you. Um, This morning we have Everyone Online. It's an Everyone Online service today. And we're just so happy to be here. You know, say hi in the comments if you haven't already. (laughs) And to get us rolling this morning, we're gonna play a little bit of trivia. So I've got a question, Miriam's got a question, and we want you guys to write your responses in the comments so we can see if you get it right. You ready, Miriam, for question number one? Yes. And everyone out there. What was the most popular costume in the 2010s? 2010? Where, let's think way Man, back right. to the 2010s. I gotta see where was I in the <laughs> 2010s? I was already had Tyler. So I want to say, I don't know, probably your cartoon your cartoon? a cartoon character. Cartoon uh, character. Are you guys locked in? Locked in your answers in the comments? Barney. <laughs> Barney, she says. <laughs> Out of all the costumes, Miriam's going with Barney. So, the actual answer is the Avengers. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I would never guess that. <laughs> Was Tyler never an Avenger? Is Superman an Avenger? No, no he's not. No. Uh, no. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um. And closely followed after the Avengers would be Elsa and Anna from Frozen. That so, makes sense. But you had boys, so yeah, no. you might not have mm-hmm. done that. <laughs> It has not been 10 years since Frozen came out, has it? Yeah, it's been more. I All mean, right. it's been Ooh. years since Frozen 2 came out. I think it's probably been like four or five years. No. <laughs> All yeah. right, what, what you got, Miriam? All right, my question for you. What was the most popular costume in the 1990s? Ooh, 1990s. So. Were you even born? I <laughs> I was in elementary school okay during the 90s okay some of the 90s so i'm one. an 89 baby um in the 90s oh man mm-hmm. now i want to say a cartoon because i was a kid hmm. i'm gonna go with saved by the bell no, no? <laughs> that's i'm trying to think of like peak 90s culture right teenage right. mutant ninja titles. oh that's a good one can you that's name a good Um, yeah. Anyways, let's get, I'm just kidding. We got Michelangelo. We've got Donatello. We've got Raphael. (gasps) Oh no. Uh, Leonardo, Leonardo's last one. (sighs) And April is the girl who helps them. That's an extra bonus point for me. (laughs) So, uh, my Adam, my oldest, that's what we were his first Halloween. So that wasn't the nineties, but, um, it carried over. It carried over <laughs> 30 years into the future. Yes. So, um, that was fun. <laughs> that was fun. So, let us know did you get it right? We're going to call you out if you didn't. But we'll also shout out to you if you did. <laughs> so, with that, we have a couple of announcements before we continue our service. First one is ladies' night. We have that this Friday. We're going to go out to a restaurant. We're just going to hang out, relax, chill, no kids just us ladies, um, but make sure that you register. You can do that by texting uh, HP Info to 97000, <laughs> uh, but we wanna make sure that we have a seat for you and we're gonna have lots of fun. With that, the following Wednesday, so November 9th is Men's Night and they are going to a different restaurant, <laughs> but they're still gonna go out to eat. And again, make sure you're texting HP Info to 97000 to register for that so that we can make sure there's a seat safe for you. Okay. Well, here at High Point Church, you know we're serious about our fun, as you can see. (laughs) But we're also serious about our worship. (laughs) And so right now, before we go into worship, um, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be here this morning to hear your word. Um, We ask you, Lord, to touch us and touch our hearts, bless our hearts, bless our minds so that we receive the word and that we just feel blessed throughout the week. And that we feel fulfilled. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
1: compare with your glory so I'll keep reaching the
0: And now we're going to continue this time of worship through our tithes and offering. Here at High Point, we believe that we are called to be extravagant givers through generosity. In Proverbs 3, it tells us that we are to give of our first fruits and our barns will be overflowing. We believe that is still true today. So we ask that you... Pray about it. You look into your heart and see what it is that God is calling you to give. Today, as we enter this holiday season, let's give over and beyond to be able to bless our church and bless our community. And now I'm going to pray over our tithes and offering. um, And then Pastor Andy will step in. Father God, I thank you for this time. I thank you so much for everything that you've given us and that we have the opportunity to praise you and worship you by giving back. I pray that you will be with us and you will open our hearts as we move in to the message today. And I pray that you will speak through Pastor Andy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
2: Good morning and welcome to High Point Church Online. My name is Andy, I'm the lead pastor here. Great to be with you online today. Uh, For those of you who typically gather in person for High Point, just a quick reminder uh, that uh, we only have two more online-only Sundays uh, before January. So we have one in November and then one in December. Uh, And then come January, we're excited to be meeting every single week together in person, including the last Sunday of the month. Um, So with that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, especially if this is your first time here, welcome, thrilled to be with you today. We're starting a brand new series today, just a two-parter, and let's pray and we're going to get right into it. Father, thank you for this time. I pray that as we are watching, as we're participating online today, that you administer to us, speak to us, challenge us, convict us, God. Help us to become more like you and to put our faith in you today. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I'm not sure if you've heard the story, but uh, there's a church and there's a church family, like a body of people that go to that church. And in the backyard of that church, these people had put together an idol burning ceremony. Whoo! All right. This is heavy already. And the, the people that belong to the church, they're bringing things to burn that have, that have taken the affection of their heart away from God. So things that, that matter to them, right, but have, have just, they've found a, a, an unhealthy place in their heart. And so, you know, people are bringing things that are literal, you know, people are bringing like actual possessions, antiques, baseball cards right They're that old record collection that has value and 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 things that have just again have have found an unhealthy place of of godliness in their heart nowadays most of our possessions are are in a, a digital form but track with me here the families the, the church families are bringing the stuff and there's a pile that's heaping in the backyard of the church and they get ready to light it. They're gonna burn these things. And the reason they're gonna burn it is it's, you know, it's kind of the burning of the boats moment where it's like, this is it. I'm, I'm, I'm taking my stand. I'm drawing my line in the sand right here. Let's burn this stuff and be done with it. And yet, tragically, no one could find a match. There's no lighter fluid. There wasn't paper, there wasn't matches or, or a little butane lighter, there wasn't anything. They just inconveniently couldn't find a way to actually burn it. So here's what they all agreed to, that, that they agreed that failure to burn these items and these possessions, it didn't mean that they weren't willing to give them up. Okay, just because they couldn't burn it, it doesn't mean that they weren't willing. They were willing. The intent and the motives were there. So everyone files away, and drifts back to their home. And one particular person wakes up in the middle of the night and is just convinced that the thing that they brought to that heaping pile of heart affection stealing items really wasn't bothering them or affecting them as much as they originally thought. And so they kind of snuck out of the house really early in the morning and made their way to the backyard of the church to get their item. And they find their item, their thing. Only it's the only thing left on what was once a heaping pile of idols. The one thing that remained was this person's item. Everyone else in the cover of night or in the cover of early morning had crept back to the backyard of the church to reclaim the very thing that had stolen affection from their heart. Our tendency is to cling to a thing. To Cling to a thing. So here's my question for you this morning. What grips your heart? What possession, what achievement, what dream, what ambition, what thing are you certain isn't really affecting you all that much? That's the real question to ask yourself. Where do you minimize and justify things that are actually robbing your affection towards God? Your love for him. Where do you conveniently run out of matches? Happy day. Right here. Where do the matches just conveniently disappear for you? See, we're talking today about, we're starting a series called Possessed. And the truth is, when you hear the word possess, especially in a church setting, we immediately think of the exorcist, don't we? We think of, you know, monsters and evil spirits and demonic presence and voice changes and, and power beyond, you know, normative power and all these Hollywood, you know, effects that go into place. And understand, obviously, that is its own conversation. But the Bible has much to say about possession, not from a demonic, you know, controlling your body standpoint and changing your voice. But there's much that the scriptures tell us about our possessions possessing us. In other words, many times we don't possess our possessions, our possessions possess us. They have a measure of ownership of us. The definition of possess is this, to have as belonging to one, to own. So if you possess something, you demonstrate control over it, a measure of control. And so the question is, are are you demonstrating possession over your stuff or is your stuff demonstrating possession over you? Is it having undue effect, undue control over your heart? And the truth is, the reality is that for many of us, dare I say even most of us, the power of things and stuff and possessions has far greater impact on our hearts we realize oh you're called to possess your possessions but many times your possessions possess you turn to Matthew chapter 19 this morning Matthew chapter 19 uh, one of the most iconic stories in the Bible the rich young ruler we see this in three of the gospels Matthew, Mark and Luke And we're reading from the the story, the account of Jesus and this rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19 today. I'll read the majority of it, and then we're going to unpack it together. Just then a man came up to Jesus, and he inquired, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit or to obtain eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Well, which ones, the man asked? Jesus answered, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept, uh, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Sell the very things you possess and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away in sorrow because he had great wealth. Now, there's more well, we'll get to here in the next minute or two, but we're going to pause right there. We've got a rich young ruler, young guy. He's wealthy. And again, you, if you look at the other gospel accounts of this, here's a guy that's actively involved in the synagogue. Uh, People attributed wealth to blessing and favor from God. This man is, is clearly religious in some degree and has influence most likely in the synagogue itself, right? So he would have been looked at as a spiritual leader in some measure purely because of the blessing and favor upon his life due to his wealth, due to his possessions. And yet here's this guy who's got wealth, who has youth, who's got influence and power and authority. We shouldn't look at this this young man as somebody who's trying to upstage Jesus, right? That's not what's happening here. He's genuinely asking. In fact, Mark tells us that this man is running to Jesus and falls on his knees before Jesus. There's There's a real, there's a desperation in his heart. He wants to know, man, what do I still lack? Let's let's slide this into 2022. Maybe you can relate. This man is going to church. This man's doing a pretty good job of being obedient, right? Like he's he's a good guy. That's what I'm getting at. Probably got a good reputation. Got some kind of good job going on. Enough that 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 he's either inherited or he has good money coming in. So in, in, in one breath, pretty much everything is kind of moving on the surface in the right direction. And yet, when it comes to faith, the haunting question that's coming out of his heart and in his life is what do I still lack? And if there's a question that I get Maybe as a pastor, more than anything else, it's some version of this question. I'm doing all of these things, I'm a good person. In fact, if we were to lay out the commandments, you'd be able to say, for the most part, I think I'm doing a good job of keeping those things. I got maybe a decent job. I could always go making a little bit more money. I mean, let's be honest. Right. But 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 things are moving in the right direction. But when it comes to faith and when it comes to my relationship with Jesus, I just don't feel feel anything i don't know where i'm supposed to feel alive i i used to but i i don't anymore or i never really have and i'm just something is missing what do i still lack does it sound familiar of course it does I think probably every single one of us that's watching has voiced this in some measure, in some degree before. God, what am I still lacking? Something's missing. Jesus, tell me what it is and I'll do it. Give me the Bible verse and I'll memorize it. Give me the YouVersion Bible app devotional daily reading plan. I've got this. I'll even comment in my group that I'm a part of. If you just tell me what I need to do, I'll do it. What prayer do I need to pray? Conference do I need to attend? See, we're looking oftentimes for this checklist type item of obedience and faithfulness that will somehow fix the lack that we sense and know is there in our heart and in our relationship with Jesus. But the problem is rarely the problem. In other words, the problem that that we see on the surface is rarely the problem that actually exists deep down. I'll give you an example. Um, this past week, you know, we, we, where I'm recording right now, this studio is actually in my basement. I know, good times, right? We are professional and classy, <laughs> I promise. But we built this, stu- this, this studio, so to speak. We don't have a church building, right, that we own. Um, and so we kind of, you know, tricked out this, this my basement for recording purposes. And I come down this past week and I see water all over my basement floor. Uh Uh-oh, that's not good. There was water on the camera, there was water on the floor, there was water on the chair, right? The water had, had leaked under the drywall some. I think we can all agree that having water in my basement is a problem. Also, when you look up, guess what you see? You see water from the ceiling dripping down. I think we can all agree that having water dripping from my ceiling is a problem, but the problem is rarely the actual problem, right? There's a problem that there's water here. But the question that has to be asked is, why? Why is there water here? And so I walk back up the stairs and you know, I begin looking around what's going on, and I open the, the kitchen sink cabinets underneath, and lo and behold, what do we find? but there's water pouring out of pipes. Why? Because the dishwasher repair man didn't actually hook things up properly. A little bit of a long story that we won't get into today. The problem is rarely the problem. And so where do we find the lack, the issue, the, 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 the tension in our hearts when we know things are lacking? The surface level problem is, well, I just need to do something or I need to do something more. But the truth of the matter is, more often than not, something else is at work. And I'll say it like this in this particular case, and many times for a Westerner, the issue isn't that you lack something you need. Many times it's that you have something that you shouldn't. Oftentimes it's not that you lack something that you need, but it's that you have something that you shouldn't. Something is in your heart that you have picked up along the way that has stolen and gained affection that should only be reserved for God Almighty. And yet you have given it to something else. And then when we have these conversations and there's a little bit of conviction and there's a little bit of reflection that happens and we, we kind of put our finger on some things and we know, we're like, yeah, that, that thing, that thing as it pertains to money, wealth, possession, ambition, my dreams, that relationship, that thing that you tend to cling to two. We have that little moment of the, the twinge of conviction, and then we sit on it, and we oh, conveniently don't have any way to free our hearts from There's no match. <sighs> Bummer. I guess I'll just go home Sit on it because, after all, to not burn this thing, to not remove it from my heart, to not remove it from my life, it doesn't mean that I don't mean it. I'll just, I'll be fine. And our hearts never get healthy and they never get well. And we have these interactions with God, with Jesus, and we walk away sorrowful. Why? Because our hearts are left unchanged. And it's not because Jesus himself won't change our hearts. It's because we're unwilling to let go of things that have crept into our heart and stolen true affection. This man thinks he's being actually obedient and he lists all the commands. You know what's interesting is that Jesus doesn't drop the doozy of the command right here, which is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart soul, mind, and strength. And what he's helping this man to understand, although maybe the man understands, maybe he doesn't, he walks away sorrowful. So we don't know to what degree of revelation he actually had in this moment. But Jesus is trying to help him understand that, P.S., you're not as faithful and you're not as obedient as you think you are. Your possessions have possessed your heart. The The supreme command to love the Lord your God with everything that you have has been eroded, replaced, stolen, X, Y, Z, by something else. And for you, rich young ruler, it is your Wealth—it's your stuff, your possessions have possessed you, your dreams, your ambitions. I, I had a very good friend in college, um, back in the day. You know, I went to college in Nashville and. It seemed like everyone and their mom was pursuing a music, you know, either degree or a record label degree. Not a degree, but just a a record label, right? Uh, You wanted to get signed. And without naming names, I don't want to provide too much context, but a lot of the friends that my wife and I knew from church or from college or whatnot have gone on to be very successful in the music industry. And on one particular you know, situation I had I had stepped into ministry or was pursuing campus ministry and a good friend of mine expressed very similar sentiments as our rich young ruler. Something's missing. He's a very talented musician, incredibly gifted, and his life, I mean his life was guitar and writing music. And he sat down with me and he sat down with another campus minister and he expressed the angst in his heart. What do I, what am I lacking? And just on a whim, a campus minister that I was sitting with, he said, what if, let me ask you something. What if God were to show up right here and he were to ask you to let go of this guitar and this This dream of this music, label, signing, contract. Like, what if he asked you to lay that down and pursue something different? What would you do? And my friend looked at him and looked at me and he said, I couldn't do it. And just, okay, time out. Let me just make sure I'm hearing you're right. What you're telling me is that if God showed up right here and said, this is what I want you to do. What you're saying is, I just don't think I can do it. It's a big statement, isn't it? And he literally walked away sad because he knew. And we have limited interaction. We we, we talk every once in a while. But to be really blunt and to be very clear, it was a very clarifying moment for this young man, for my friend, because he knew without a shadow of a doubt that there were things in his life that came before his love for Jesus. That's a defining moment, isn't it? And... He, will, he would tell you even now. His faith has been wobbly. It hasn't been secure. It's not, it's not really foundational to him. Living for God isn't really foundational to him. And yet he is wildly successful. Writing music for shows, movies, albums, collabs, I mean, all the things. And yet that very thing that's still lacking on the inside it still is knocking on the door of his heart. That I can absolutely guarantee. Because much like the rich young ruler, it doesn't matter that you have wealth, it doesn't matter that you have power and authority and influence and you get the thing that you really are after. The truth of the matter is the only thing that can really satisfy the longing of the heart, the lack that you inherently know and feel. The only person, the only thing that can do something about that is Jesus Christ. He is the only one. And it's why we continue to pursue more and more and more and more and more, trying to fill the hole, the void in our heart that only Jesus can satisfy. Only Jesus can fill. Only Jesus can do it. You are right in that you are ascertaining that you have lack. You do. And you'll never be able to satisfy that lack with more stuff, with more things, with more acquisition, with more money, with more relationship, with more this, 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 and that. It will not do it. You will still be lacking. And our rich young ruler is the embodiment of that for all of the ages. Matthew 19, 21, Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away in sorrow because he had great wealth. Jesus invites this man to follow him, these are words that we see being given to Jesus to other people as well. If you remember the, the, the call for the, 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 the first disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John, they're out fishing with their, with their dad. And what does Jesus say? Come and follow me. And what do they do? They leave, the Bible says, everything. And they follow him. They give it all up. Their heart is emptied before the Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, verse 23, Truly I tell you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. And they asked, who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's the great news today is that with God, all things are possible. But I have bad news first. Jesus says that it's difficult for rich people the wealthy people to enter the kingdom. It's not because Jesus doesn't love them or desire for them to. So why is it that the wealthy people, the rich person, has such a difficult time entering the kingdom? And by the way, if you're watching this today, you are probably someone who fits the category on some level as rich. You're rich to somebody. You're rich by someone's standards. If you're watching this in the in you're in the United States, you are rich globally. So what, what is it that makes the rich have such a difficult time entering the kingdom? The reality is this. When we're wealthy and when we are rich, and I'm using that term loosely on purpose, to describe a condition of the heart and that we don't need God. When you have, when you you have, and you have, and you have, and you have gained the world, You're not used to submitting to anyone. And you are not used to needing, truly needing anything. And consequently, when we find ourselves in a position of lacking in our heart, we think we can solve it in the same way and in the same manner and degree that we solve everything else. I'll just use my influence, power, authority, money, wealth, riches to solve this issue. Surely my lack can be made up by me getting something more. And all of the sudden, without realizing it, our possessions have possessed us. The love of money, the love of possessions, the love of more. That is the very thing that has possessed and gripped our heart. Many of us carry around this idea of breast pocket Jesus. I don't have a breast pocket on my t-shirt, but he just fits all nice and cute and comfortable in our pocket and we think he belongs to us. Also, a side effect, right? The love of getting and the love of having. Many times we treat Jesus himself like something that we can acquire. And this is why the, the, the rich, the wealthy, this is why we have such a difficult time entering the kingdom and having relationship. It's because we don't, Jesus does not belong to us. He's not something that we own. He's not something that we can put in a box. You cannot fit him in your breast pocket. That is not how this works. The Bible says that you and I, when you put your faith in Jesus, that you are his treasured possession, meaning that he possesses you. You belong to him. He does not belong to you. It does not work that way. And yet when you are used to having you are used to having. But you know what? Wealth can never get you. You know what? Possessions and ambition and success and dreams and stuff can never afford you. It can never change your heart. And because it can never change your heart, you will always feel lack. And so my question for you today, as we enter into this series that we're in, is what has possession of your heart? Maybe it's not this thing that the rich young ruler dealt with, which was literal possessions and literal wealth. But maybe for you, it is something else. What has possession of your heart? You just can't ever get away from the dream, the dream of dot, dot, dot. The house, the relationship, the job, the paycheck, being even out of debt, like it can just grip you and consume you. And you know that it's gotten a hold of your heart when you simply can't be obedient to what you know is right in that particular area. You can't give at church. Something's gotten a hold of your heart. I can't tithe. Something's gotten a hold of you. I can't walk away from this relationship. Something's gotten in your heart. I can't stop thinking about, I can't stop dreaming of, I can't stop dot, 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 fill in the blank, pick your thing, something has gotten into your heart. It's not that you lack something, it's that you have something. Something's gotten in, has crept into your heart and it's time for you to deal with it. What has possession of your heart? Where do the matches conveniently disappear? That's our moment today. And we're not in person, right? So there's not a ministry team moment where I'm inviting people to somehow stand and walk down front and receive prayer or confess sin. You're gonna have to do this right here between you. And God, you can't shake this. Don't run away from this. Don't dodge this. Today, you need some spiritual matches, so to speak. And it's time to light some things, right? The the, the, quote-unquote idol-burning ceremony we mentioned at the very beginning. It is time to light some things up and let God really bring transformation to your heart. Where have you run out of matches? What has possession of your heart? Let's deal with it today. Father, thank you in this moment. Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit, for conviction. God, thank you that you're moving, that you're speaking to us by the power and authority of your word. And I pray now for courage to fill your people. God, even as we're watching this through screens, as we're watching this at later times, as we're watching this again even, Lord, give us courage to do what we know we need to do. The rich young ruler, he didn't have the courage, Lord, to obey you, to step out and to really trust you in this moment. God, give us the courage to truly be obedient and faithful to you. God, to let go of the things that have crept into our hearts. Lord, then stolen affection and relationship that's reserved solely for you. If you are sitting, standing, and you're watching this today, here's what I'm asking you to do. Say, Jesus, today I am giving you this. And Lily, hold out your hand. Like, imagine that thing is in your hand. Don't justify. Don't minimize. Don't reduce. Deal. God, I'm giving you this. I'm hiding this. I'm running from you with this. Give it to him. Don't let that thing possess your heart any longer. Let him bring freedom to you today. Jesus, we give you everything. And we choose to follow you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Here's what I want to invite you to do today. This is a stretch. This might be difficult for you, but I want you to, if you prayed that prayer and you mean it, and God's doing ministry in your heart, you need to talk to somebody about it. Don't be the person who sneaks away in the middle of the night to minimize this and then sneaks back out to pick that thing back out of the heap in the backyard of the church that we mentioned at the beginning of the sermon. Don't be that. Don't do that. Open up, go to your, if you're in a life group, talk to your life group, talk to your life group leader. Own it, let it be known. Message your pastor, message your friend. Don't walk this alone. Much love to you. Thankful that you're here today. Look forward to worshiping with you online next week. We shouldn't look at him with a Western concept of of this guy just being this arrogant little punk, you know, who's trying to, you know, up, you know, up Jesus in this moment. Um, Pause. What's the word I'm looking for? Gosh, up, upstart? Upstage. Upstage. Thank you.